Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including uh, guests Mark Schulman, he's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, a terrific multimedia website. We're going to be talking about current global events, and there's a lot going on, especially in the Middle East. We'll also be talking about some elections around the globe. We'll also visit with John Mildemore. He's the editor-at-large of Feed.org. That's the website for the Foundation for Economic Education. Dr. Keith Smith will also join us. He's a board-certified anesthesiologist and co-founder of the Surgery Center in Oklahoma. We'll be talking about Medicare payments policies could fuel rising costs and can be fixed with federal legislation. It is October the 16th, and on this day in 1946 at Nuremberg, Germany, 10 high-ranking Nazi officials were executed by hanging for their crimes against humanity, crimes against peace, and war and crimes against World War II during World War II. Two weeks earlier, the ten were found guilty by the International War Crimes Tribunal and sentenced to death along with two other Nazi officials. Some were given prison sentences ranges from 10 years to life. Three others were acquitted. The trial, which lasted uh, nearly 10 months, was conducted by an international tribunal made up of representatives from the United States, the USSR, France, and Great Britain. It was the first trial of its kind in history, and the defendants faced charges ranging from crimes against peace to crimes of war and crimes against humanity. On October the 16th, 10 of the architects of Nazi policy were hanged one by one. Uh, Hermann Goering, who was at sentence, was also called the leading war aggressor and creator of the oppressive program against the Jews, died by suicide uh, of poison on the eve of his scheduled execution. Nazi Party leader Martin uh, Bormann was condemned to death in absentia, and he's now known to have died in Berlin at the end of the war. Again, uh, punishment for crimes against humanity. <clears throat> well, uh, Israel Prime, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu said yesterday the country's military operations were focused on completely dismantling Hamas, signaling Israel was planning to mount a full-scale invasion of the Gaza Strip. The comments come about a week after the invasion and subsequent brutal attack by Hamas against unsuspecting civilians in southern Israel. Uh, hundreds of thousands of troops have been amassed at the border with Gaza while Israel urged residents in northern Gaza to evacuate southward. Analysts say the operation is expected to be, uh, begin in northern Gaza, focusing on a network of underground tunnels used by Hamas. Uh, international officials continue to warn of an impending humanitarian crisis, particularly at hospitals and shelters following a full blockade by Israel of goods entering Gaza. Gaza. Israel has argued the blockade is necessary to push Hamas to release more than 100 hostages taken during the initial attack. The combined death toll has passed 4,000 civilians, including at least 1,400 Israelis and more than 2,600 Palestinians. Close to 30 Americans are believed to be among those killed. Separately, the U.S. has sent a second aircraft carrier, the U.S. Eisenhower, uh, to the uh, eastern Mediterranean in hopes of deterring escalation of a broad, broader regional conflict. We know there's been skirmishes in, uh, from Hezbollah and Lebanon as well as Syria. This really could, needs to be contained. Israel gave Palestinians until 2 p.m. yesterday to evacuate the north of the Gaza Strip with families fleeing by car and donkey cart as the death toll from strikes atop 2,200. The IDF has allowed 1.1 million civilians just 24 hours to escape to the south of the territory, a deadline that ended today. It said today that Gazans could flee safely via two main roads between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. local time. Israel's Prime Minister Netanyahu said the country would never forget last Saturday's attack, terrorist attacks by Hamas and warned that this is just the beginning. 
Tank and elite commanders have already begun conducting localized raids in Gaza to target Hamas terrorists and weaponry, with tanks uh, are massing on the border before a major ground offensive. Israel today confirmed they had killed two top Hamas commanders. The head of the terrorist group's aerial operations was killed over the past day with fighter jets struck an operational center. The United States State Department briefly uh, briefed Customs and Border uh, Protection over uh, federal agencies and other federal agencies on Sunday about operating safe landing. Operation Safe Landing is an effort to uh, evacuate 32,000 people from Israel. The current plan is to evacuate both U.S. citizens and American allies to Athens, Greece, Frankfurt, Germany, but that may change, said a senior government source. The proposal comes as the Biden administration said that officials are working on helping U.S. citizens who are seeking to leave the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, which is controlled by the State Department, designated foreign terrorist organizations Hamas. The U.S. government is still searching for the 15 U.S. citizens who are remain missing, including at least 29 U.S. citizens, according to the, the Hill. Just uh, implore the president not to bring Palestinians to the United States. FBI Director Christopher Wray is warning about the brutal Hamas terror attacks on Israel that uh, there's an increase in reported threats to the United States and there's a possibility of copycat attacks. In this increased environment, an heightened environment, there's no question we're seeing an increase in reported threats and we've got to be on the lookout, especially for lone actors who might take inspiration from the recent events to commit violence on their own. Uh, this is uh, Ray speaking to uh, Saturday on an International Association of Chiefs of Police Conference in San Diego. So I encourage you to stay uh, vigilant because the uh, first line of defense is protecting our communities, and you're often the first to see the signs that someone may be mobilizing to violence, Ray said. And then it's also asking you to continue sharing any intelligence or observations you may have. <clears throat> His uh, remarks came exactly one week after Hamas terrorists infiltrated Israel, killing more than 1,400 civilians. And the FBI has not, not formally updated its threat assessment since last week when the agency says it does not have specific credible intelligence indicating a threat to the United States stemming from the Hamas attacks at Israel. Now, hopefully he'll focus these efforts on real terror threats and not on parents attending school board meetings or Christians singing hymns in front of Planned Parenthood locations. Now I realize that uh, comment has a degree of sarcasm, but I think it's well earned by the FBI and the Department of Justice and how they've allocated their resources uh, for political reasons. Unacceptable. Well, ousted House Speaker Kevin McCarthy predicted Sunday that fellow GOP Congressman Jim Jordan will get enough final votes to become the chamber's next speaker. The lower chamber has been effectively closed since McCarthy was effectively ousted by eight far-right, I'm going to call them MAGA Republicans. I think Jim Jordan can get there, the California lawmaker said. I'm one who understands how difficult it is. I did walk in with more support uh, during this time, but I believe at the end of the day, Jim can get there, and I'm going to do everything I can to help him uh, become speaker. I think that's a terrific gesture on his part, and I think it'd have impact on others in the House of Representatives. In addition, uh, Georgia Republican Austin Scott endorsed Representative Jim Jordan for the position of House Speaker and urged his party to unite up behind uh, Jim Jordan. I highly respect Jim Jordan. He's an asset to the Republican Party and our nominee for Speaker. Our conference has spoken, and now we must uh, unite behind Jordan so we can get Congress back to work, said Scott on uh, X, formerly Twitter. Scott's endorsement of Jordan comes after he said earlier in the day that he filed paperwork to run for the position of Speaker. So this is an important move on his part as well. Perhaps uh, everyone, all the Republicans can consolidate their support for Jim Jordan and he'll become the Speaker of the House. We'll see how this all turns out. It's a fluid situation, needless to say. Well, Jeff Landry will be the 57th governor of Louisiana after scoring a surprise outright victory on Saturday's primary that gives him a mandate to move Louisiana to the right with a like-minded leg legislature. Landry, the Republican Attorney General for the past eight years, will succeed 
Governor John Bell Edwards in January, the Associated Press reported. Edwards has been the new uh, new governor's Democrat foe. Polls have uh, forecast Landry to run first, but he... uh, uh, but be forced to, into a runoff with Sean Wilson by capturing less than 50% of the vote. But Wilson underperformed, collecting only about half as many votes as the attorney general, and Landry picked up more votes than expected. So he becomes outright governor uh, without a runoff, and that's great news. So, uh, again, another state uh, is turning uh, red uh, for the Republicans, Louisiana. Well, freshman declaring his independence from the Democrat Party, uh, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is hitting the campaign trail as an independent candidate for president. Uh, but don't look for Kennedy's family scion to be uh, laser-focused on the usual nominating states. As the Notre Dame of presidential candidates, uh, RFK Jr. no longer needs to play from the same political party campaign playbook. His campaign announced on a busy schedule ahead of uh for the candidate with stops in Texas, Florida, Georgia, uh, North Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Arizona. See, he's not running in primaries. He's got nobody to run against since he's an independent, so he can go where he wants to in order to make the impact that he needs to and wants to as a candidate for president. As I said, I, I just think he's uh, the most outstanding Democrat, not that I'd want a Democrat in office, but I think... Uh, He's the most thoughtful. I don't like his position on many issues, and that's um, primarily because he's been affected by the thinking process in the Democrat Party. But he has integrity. He's a man. He's a man of character, unlike uh, our current president and other leaders in the Democrat Party. Well, negotiations between uh, major Hollywood studios and the Screen Actors Guild Federation of Television and Radio Artists have hit a roadblock with both sides stating they cannot find middle ground on significant issues. The Actors Union has been on strike since July with disputes revolving around compensation and the use of artificial intelligence in entertainment. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers says it has offered wage increases. The average actor's salary is about $69,000. By the way, I thought it would be higher, but and proposed further projections around the use of AI. However, they said the latest proposal from the actors included a revenue share from streaming shows that could cost the studios an additional $800 million annually. SAG-AFTRA, those are the acronyms for the Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, argued that the AMPTP estimate was exaggerated by 60%. The strike has left more than 160,000 industry professionals unemployed and so far has caused an estimated $5 billion in losses to the California economy. Well, hopefully we'll get that resolved soon. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of historycentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences and building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more and get tickets to some great performances by visiting the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with John Miltimore, the editor-at-large of the uh, Fee.org. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific Multimedia website is called HistoryCentral.com. We're going to be talking about current global events. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Well, I let our listeners know that you are in Tel Aviv right now. And uh, on a personal note, how's it going? Okay. I mean, this is not the first time I've been in a city under missile attack. Uh, this is probably my third go-around. Wow. Um, and it's, you know... It, Basically, in Tel Aviv, you're safe because the Iron Dome is pretty effective at this distance. Uh, but still, you you know, when you're outside, you have to run somewhere. I've been outside and run into a parking lot or other places because you never know. You know that one that that ten percent of the time when it's not effective, you don't want to be under one. So uh, absolutely, it's a lot of. And of course, you have a country that's. I won't say depressed is the right word, but some version therein. Everyone is very determined, everyone is very depressed, and the streets of Tel Aviv are mostly a ghost town. So many of the people have gone into reserve duty, and you know, restaurants are empty, bars are empty, all those sort of things are just not taking place. Yeah. So, Such a sad situation. just didn't need to happen, unfortunately. So uh, right now we've got conflicts uh, with uh, Israel, I guess, is preparing now to go into... Uh, Gaza Strip, uh, that uh, we've got Hezbollah on the north and Hamas on the south. Just love to get your, your thoughts. Sure. So at the moment, Israel's getting ready for a ground assault on Gaza. Uh, for the past 10 years, there have been small little, uh, call them wars, whatever you want to call them, with, with Hamas. The Israeli government, particularly those led by Netanyahu, have believed we could find some sort of a... A way of living with Hamas. The mm-hmm. realization now is that there's no way that we could ha- have a border with Hamas, an active terrorist group, uh, controlling the, the Gaza Strip. So the war aims at this point are to remove Hamas from power completely and basically capture or kill all of its leaders. Um, the uh, scenes and the information that's come out of the, their attack from last Saturday, the more we learn, the more horrific it turns out to be. Um, the problem is you can't do it from the air. Eventually, you have to go in with ground troops, and Israel has probably 150,000 troops now massed along the Gaza Strip border. It wants to do it carefully. The attempt is to get all of the people in the northern part of the Strip to move to the south so that there are no civilians caught in the, in, in the middle. Hamas is trying to stop them from moving, so they haven't all moved yet. So um, Israel is moving slowly, um, but we'll move in with ground troops I would say sometime in the next couple of days. Yeah. Um, pres- there's talk of President Biden coming here uh, this week. It's not clear that's going to happen. He's probably the most popular president in American history here in Israel at the moment. Wow. Uh, his speech went over very, very well. In this, his first speech he gave went over very, very well. And the fact that there are two U- U.S. aircraft carriers off the coast to deter Iran is also much appreciated. So 
Uh, people are saying he should be the prime minister of Israel and not Netanyahu, which is a complete 180 from what people were saying with Netanyahu should be the president of the United States. So, Well, you can have him. <laughs> Take him. <laughs> so, uh, Mark, uh, it's complicating factors. Uh, Egypt has taken a position. That, well, in fact, they may have just changed their position, according to this morning, but uh, that they're not willing to allow... Uh, people from Gaza to come into uh, Egypt unless they have a foreign passport. Right. They don't They don't want these refugees. Look, this is the story of the Gaza Strip from ever, from the very beginning of its history. In other words, Gaza was a small little town with maybe 40,000 people before 1948. During the 1948 war, refugees were created when, uh, when the Arabs refused to accept the partition plan and a war ensued. The refugees in Egypt, and matter of fact, the refugees in every place, were never allowed to settle anywhere else. <clears throat> you know, they passed a special United Nations, the United Nations Refugee Commission uh, charter calls for the resettlement, you know, if it's possible to repatriate people to their homes, and if it's not possible to resettle them in new homes. Uh -huh. They passed a special uh, <clears throat> version of that for the Palestinians that doesn't include resettling them in new homes. So the Gaza Strip is basically full of people, descendants of people at this point, descendants of descendants, who um, left on their own volition, and some of them were forced out in 1948, and no one has been willing to settle them, and the Egyptians particularly have not been willing to settle them in Egypt. Egypt is a country of 81 million. Uh, clearly, you know, it has its own issues, but I'm sure the world would be happy to finance the settlement of these people in Egypt, uh, but that's not going to happen. So uh, in some ways, that's the story of the, 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 the tragic story of Gaza, really. Yeah. So, so where, do, where, no do the, where do the Gazans go then? They, they, if they can't go to Egypt... Well, the, the goal right now is to move, them to, the, to move them to the southern, let's say, half of the Gaza Strip. Most of the military equipment and military activities of the Hamas is taking place in the northern half, and the idea is to move them to the southern half and then conquer the northern half in a ca calculated... Uh, ground assault. Ah. Um, that's the plan. Uh, again, you know, war and plans don't always go together very well. So you plan and then you have to improvise if things go sideways or things change. Yeah. It's so sad and so interesting that this it's just an incredible tragedy that this all had to happen. Uh, well, Hamas has been, you know, the, the, that's the thing about it. It's a very sad, but, you know, Hamas has always telegraphed that its primary purpose in life is uh, to resist and eventually to replace the state of Israel yeah. with an Islamic state. They've never made a, you know, they've never hidden that as their ambition. People thought that they'd become more pragmatic, but that was all a cover for their planning this attack that took place last Saturday. Now, what about Iran and, and their involvement in this? Uh, is That's a big question, obviously. Iran certainly helped finance Hamas. They more directly financed the Hezbollah. The Hezbollah is the Shiite militia that to a large extent, runs Lebanon. The Hezbollah has the, an estimated 100,000 or more missiles aimed at Israel, so something that Israel is not looking forward to having to deal with. Um, that's more than probably Iron Dome can, can handle. There are some reports, and I don't know whether it's true or not, um, that the experimental system that Israel is planning to deploy, a laser defense system, has actually been deployed. And, of course, that would change things considerably. Mm. Um, the reality is that no one really wants another front in, in the north. The question is, once Israel starts moving into the Gaza Strip, if the Hamas looks like it's going to lose power, will the Iranians sit still and allow them to lose power? And that's the big question. There's no question that the, the United States has made it clear that it's not really likely to intervene in terms of the Hezbollah, but if the Iranians directly intervene, then the United States has made it clear um, that it would take action against the Iranians if, if they if they decided to intervene. And I think the um, Republican head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee said last night uh, that we have to be ready to pass a War Powers Act if, if that was to take place. Mark, um, so. er, early in our discussion, you said something that caught my attention and I uh, wanted to follow up on it. It's, you'd mentioned that uh, Israel wants to take out the leadership of Hamas uh, as uh, and uh, again, my assumption was they wanted to just take out any soldier that was with Hamas. Can you comment? Well, obviously, look, they, they they'll, they'll go after any soldier, but clearly, the most important people are the leadership. Yeah, um, and also anyone who took part took part in the um, attacks and uh, killings of civilians in the area around Gaza. 
I mean, a little bit of history. After the horrific attack on the Olympic and the Munich Olympics in 1972, Israel vowed that every single one of the people who participated would be found and executed, and they did so. Yeah. For the next five years, Israel hunted down every single participant, and every single one of them huh. uh, was killed. Uh, so Israel sort of made a similar, uh, similar threat this time. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, but the most important thing is to end their control of Gaza Strip. Now, the big question is what happens next, right? Yeah. Who takes over? You know, vacuums are always filled. There are various discussions of the Palestinian Authority, a UN force, an Egyptian and Saudi force. There are various, uh, various uh, things that are being, being mentioned, but so far nothing has uh, developed yet. It'll have, to be, it'll have to be something. Israel has no intentions of reoccupying the Gaza Strip and providing for and you know, directly ruling over the people there. Thank so. you for that, Mark. So, one other: the uh, apparently Israel bombed air bases or, or airports or, or runways in Syria. In yeah, Syria, Israel's, Israel's been having an ongoing quiet war in Syria over the last two years, basically <coughs> to interdict Iranian arms that have been going to Hezbollah in Lebanon. And from what I understand, there was a planned shipment of uh, air shipment of arms to Syria as a waypoint. Uh, for those arms, and what Israel did was take out the... I mean, okay, it's never officially been reported, but pretty much the foreign press has all stated it. Israel has taken out the runways of both Damascus International Airport and the airport, the international airport in Khaleb, Homs, in Syria, to stop them from, from using it. So, um, so uh, that's part two, of it. Two aircraft... Also, I should... Go ahead. What? Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was also going to mention that for the last two days there have been... Uh, incidents on the northern border with Lebanon by Hezbollah. They've uh, killed a number of Israelis using anti-tank weapons that they fired directly at, at groups of people. And uh, two soldiers and a civilian were killed yesterday um, in their attacks. If this was not, not the middle of the Gaza war, Israel probably would have responded uh, very strongly. Instead, it gave a, a minor response, so to speak, because Israel's not interested in the second front at the same time it's fighting the war in Gaza. Well, this so is a... This capable is a, of it. They've, they've, um, they've called enough people up to reserve duty, but it's something no one wants to do. Absolutely. Well, this and this is the concern, is that it could have been spread to a, a wider conflict involving the entire Middle East, inevitably. So I wish we had more time to discuss this. We need to take a little break. Mark, can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. 
Office is located at 9015 Stratoscale Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy. They help prepare elected officials to prepare for the uh, legislatures. Uh, you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. We continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Mark, again, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure as always. Oh, some big election of results around the globe. Let's start off with New Zealand. Right. So New Zealand, the Conservative Party has asked to the Labour Party, has been in power for the last six years. Um, the It seems that the overall issue was the economy and also the fact that the Labour Party promised to make substantial changes and really didn't. So the new, the new Prime Minister, I guess, of New Zealand is going to be the former head of Air New Zealand, the businessman and someone who has promised to make those economic changes to, you know, restructure the country a little bit uh, in a more, I call it conservative, I don't really, I don't know anymore whether conservative and liberal actually explains things, but yes, uh, the conservative parties have won the election. Yeah, interesting. I, the uh, previous prime minister basically said, you know, like, I've hit a wall, I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I don't want right. to do... She, she quit, she, she quit. She was a very dynamic woman, uh, but she had enough. She had a family and she decided... Uh, that she had done enough. So yes, you know what I found. Uh, I, I found a her in between. By the way, so. I, I found her announcing announcement to be refreshing to hear somebody actually say the truth about that. But. Well, yeah, that's absolutely the fact. I think we, we can all think of dozens of politicians in different places, certainly in the United States, certainly in Israel, and other places where we'd like them to say, you know what, at seventy, seventy-five, it's time for me to retire and. I'll move on to something else. She was in the 30s, though, so obviously yeah. that was a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. But the fact of the matter is that politics doesn't have to be something you do forever. Absolutely. Uh, Poland results, what are your thoughts? Poland results are really, I mean, for, for those people who believe in democracy, are really a positive result. The party that's been in power, that has uh, really weakened the judiciary, uh, taken over all of the press with the exception of one television station, um, looks like it has lost power to a coalition government made up of the other parties. I don't think we'll see a lot of change in the foreign policy. will remain pretty much the same. Um, but on domestic affairs and judiciary and all of those things, and also um, certain uh, areas around abortion and those matters, there'll be clearly a change. I have a friend um, in Poland, um, in Lodz, and he told me that yesterday, for the first time he ever went to an election, he had to wait online. That's how large the turnout was. Hmm. Uh, so it looks like the people have spoken. Um, the conservative government had support mostly from the rural areas. Almost all the cities were overwhelmingly opposed to the current government. So uh, let's just hope uh, they go out peacefully and don't pull a Trump. So we'll hope for the best. So uh, kind of interesting, what's uh, sucked all the oxygen out of the air is the news that's happened around the world. Things we've already discussed, we've conspicuously absent in the discussion is what's happening in Ukraine. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the only reason we haven't discussed Ukraine is there isn't a lot of change. The Russians tried an offensive area in more the northern area of their border with Ukraine. Um, it was a mistake on their part. Uh, they lost all, almost all the troops who participated in the assault. Uh, clearly, we've learned one thing very clearly is that defense is easier than offense. And so while the Ukrainians continue to make incremental, and I repeat, incremental progress on their offensive uh, they do very well on the on the defensive, and so it doesn't seem to have been anything that has shifted that'll change the balance for the moment. Uh, the only thing we should keep in mind is there's additional reports of the North Koreans providing the uh, Russians with armaments, which of course violates the sanctions on North Korea. But who cares? So yeah, to speak. Yeah. So only the Russians don't care. Uh, so the Russians just can't produce enough ammunition and other products. The North Koreans have stock. Um, because of all the years of waiting for war with the, with the South, or waiting to start a war, I should say. It's unclear what, how, um, what condition a lot of this armament is, and certainly it's not state-of-the-art. 
So, so they're getting old North Korean wep- old North Korean weapons and ammunition. Um, we'll have to see um, if it has any effect, but yeah. it probably won't. So interesting. Uh, is the uh, we've got the onset of winter coming? Is that going to have an impact on the theater of operations? Um, a little bit, um, but I don't think it's going to have the same effect the first time because uh, let's put it this way: everyone knows winter's coming. Yeah. Um, and so it's one thing when you have winter and you, know, you weren't ready for war and you weren't went, you know, you weren't ready. <clears throat> I think the Ukrainians for sure are being equipped for fighting in the winter. It slows things down, obviously, but uh, that's all it can do. Mark Schulman again, so, founder and publisher of History. Those, by the way, are air raids in different parts of the country that go off on my phone all the time. Oh, interesting. So if you hear those beeping, that means the missile strikes by uh, missile strikes by. Hamas on right now it's southern Israel. So well, I just hope that you and your family and friends and neighbors uh, remain safe uh, to this uh, escalated uh, these attacks. So again, thank Appreciate you so, so much for joining us here on the show. Again, historycentral.com is the name of the website. I hope you check it out. Thank you again, Mark, for joining us here on the show. My pleasure. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with John Millamore. He is the editor at large of Fee.org. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're, we're providing you news and commentary rooted in the commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Keith Smith. He's a board-certified anesthesiologist. We're going to be talking about Medicare payments. Right now we have with us John Millimore. He is the editor-at-large of Fee.org. It's the uh, website for the Foundation for Economic Education. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, great being with you this morning, Bob. Thank you so much, John. So you wrote a couple of really interesting pieces. Uh, why nearly half of inco- higher-income households say they're more reliant on credit cards than ever? You could certainly understand they would be with p- people who are just getting by, but maybe you could tell us what's going on. Yeah, I saw that. It was based on a, a survey for MoneyWise, and, and the details of that really did surprise me. Um, when we say higher-income households, we're talking about people making about $150,000 a year. 
Um, and in that report, uh, what it said basically is almost half of the people surveyed said they were more reliant on, on credit cards than they've ever been before. And uh, about a third of those families said they were living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, it's one of the things we, we, we talk about inflation a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, everybody deals with inflation. I don't care if you're, if you're rich or you're poor. Um, but what we're seeing here is the impact of inflation is really starting to hit higher income households as well to the point where they're really stretched thin. And, uh, and that's a big problem. You know, we've, we've seen, we've seen prices go up the last few years. A lot of people, you know, want you to think, oh, we're, we're through it. Um, there's, there's two problems with that kind of thinking. First, the damage is already done. Prices yeah. are already up. Yeah. And, um, and, and that is, that erosion of the currency is permanent. And, and second is it is still increasing well beyond the two percent the Federal Reserve wants. Inflation is still hovering about four percent. Um, that's a big problem. So we're seeing families really impacted by that. So are are these higher income families, one hundred fifty thousand or more, are they building credit card balances? Uh, yeah, what we're seeing is um, that they're building balances and they're saying that they can't pay that balance off. Right? Wow. Credit cards are really a blessing and a curse depending on how you use it. I love. I, I wrote a different piece on credit cards, you know, earlier in in the year. I love credit cards. I, you know, we use ours a lot. We get, you know, money back from rewards. The problem is when you don't pay off your balance on that card, you're building interest, and and that's gonna. It's not just interest like a student loan or a car loan. We're talking, you know, right now the interest rate on credit cards about twenty five percent, and that compounds daily. Most most credit card companies, um, you know, we're not talking quarterly compound. Or, or annually, every day your interest is growing. So what happens is families are using those to make ends meet, but they find themselves buried in debt. And if you're using your credit card that way, I guess some families have to, if you're really in a pinch, um, try to pay that, that, that debt off right away because it's, it's a really steep rate. It is indeed, and uh, it's so unfortunate too because the rate, I think you'd mentioned in your column that it's up to like 25% or something like that for most credit cards. Twenty-four and a half percent, I think, right now. Oh my goodness! So uh, it's just a very steep indeed. You also wrote another piece, which I found so interesting: why your credit card rewards might go bye-bye. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, this one, you know, was, was a bit alarming to me because, like I said, you know, for me, a, a credit card. I started using my credit card probably twenty years ago, and I'm like, well, these are great. You know, it's a, they're very convenient. Yeah. And then I find out every time I use it, I'm getting some kind of reward back. And rewards differ, you know, from company to company. When I started, I would just accumulate mostly, I think, a lot of Amazon points. You know, and some people do it for frequent flyer miles. I have a Costco card now. We just always get cash back. Yeah. Um, you know, if you use your card that way, that's good. Those are, those are rewards earning you money. Um, but there's new legislation out there called the Credit Card Competition Act. And it's interesting because it sounds very benign, like we're all for competition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this would this would really shake up the the credit card industry. It, it, it's similar. People might remember this. It, it's really similar to legislation that came out about a decade ago that that did the same thing to debit cards, and it really killed by 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 trying to enforce competition by by getting businesses to decide what they what other credit card companies have to use or what can be used for rewards, what can't. Um, they're they're putting on the sideline other companies, and if you look, there there are no more debit rewards, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that's what happened ten years ago. This legislation would really do the same. It, it, it is complex. I, I I looked at this for man, this article took me a long time to to write because it, this is complex legislation. But the bottom line is, uh, what would happen is, is, you know, when I use the card, consumers aren't being being you know forced to pay anything when they when they do this, um, unless they accrue debt. Businesses are, are are taking those fees, and what what we have are big box retailers that have teamed up with the lawmakers, and they want to decide uh, what other credit card companies, uh, you know, get access. Mm-hmm. And and what would happen is is these these lucrative rewards. Every year, I get you know about a thousand bucks back uh, for my Costco card. It's not a lot, but it's something. And and a lot of analysts say, well, the first thing that's going to happen is is those rewards are going to go away if this legislation passes. And I do think they're right. That probably go right to the bottom line of the company that used to issue those rewards. 
well, you know, here's the thing. It, it, it wouldn't. Um, what, what, who this would benefit really are like, like the, the Walmarts and Amazon. They're the, really the people pushing this legislation. And the reason here, the people that are for the legislation say, look, um, what we can do now is, is we're, we're going to see these uh, companies, they're going to be charging less. All these savings are going to be kicked back to consumers. Um, but that's not happened. Right. Like, if you look before with debit cards, it, it, it didn't happen then. Like we didn't, all, all that savings, uh, you know, credit card companies took their hit and, and they found ways to make up their revenue. Um, but but can, uh, big retailers didn't lower prices. Prices didn't go down. Um, and I, I think that's exactly what happened with this legislation too. We wouldn't see we wouldn't see consumers suddenly taking, um, you know, oh wow, well, prices are down because credit card companies aren't taking uh, a percentage. Um, I, I don't think that would happen, or I, I think just the same thing would happen with this. We wouldn't see prices go down because of this legislation. Well, to me, this is just uh, <laughs> we're the government. We're here to help you. In other words, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and I'm sure the uh, intentions of the people who are trying, writing this legislation are good. But the fact of the matter is uh, they shouldn't be interfering in free markets, in my opinion. I think it's, uh, it's uh, you know, for example, you have these uh, paycheck loan uh, companies that are loaning money for a week or two in order for somebody to get tires for their car so they can get to work, and they want to get rid of uh, those high interest rates on those loans. Well, they're only borrowing the money for a couple of weeks, you know. So it's again interfering with free markets and allowing just allow free markets to work without interference. No, you're really right. And I mean, that's something. If people aren't going to get that loan, who are they going to go to? They might go to a loan shark, right? Yeah. Um, nobody wants to to take out a, a quote unquote predatory, you know, loan. But sometimes you have to do those things. And, uh, I, and I, I think you're right. Like, like the, the, the ecosystem of credit cards is something, it, it's big and it's complex, but it is all voluntary, right? Like, like you have retailers that are choosing to, to you know, accept credit cards. You have consumers that are choosing to use them. The, the Competition Act is, is not doing that. They're saying, nope, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. Um, we're going dictate, to dictate the terms. And when you start doing those things, you know who usually loses? It is consumers. Absolutely. Yeah, John uh, Middlemore is the editor at large of fee.org. You're encouraged to visit the website. It's a terrific uh, uh, website and also terrific organization, the Foundation for Economic Education, spreading the word of freedom, liberty, and responsibility to young people uh, in high school or college ages. I hope you check out the website fee.org, F-E-E.org. John, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it was a pleasure chatting with you, Bob. Thanks a lot for having me on. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Keith Smith. He's a board-certified anesthesiologist and co-founder of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. We're going to be talking about Medicare payment policies fueling rising costs, and it can be fixed with legislation. We're going to do that and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere 
that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hearing that Blue Provence commercial reminds me I got word this weekend that uh, Blue Provence is not going to be changing hands uh, uh, and being sold to the Hoffman family. It's going to stay with the Cario family. And uh, just uh, very happy for the Cario family to do a great job at Blue Provence. We have with us Dr. Keith Smith. He is a board-certified anesthesiologist and co-founder of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Dr. Smith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. You had written a piece for the Oklahoman, I believe it is, uh, newspaper. Uh, Medicare payment policies fueling rising costs can be fixed by federal legislation. Why don't we start off with the problem? What's the problem here? Well, the problem is what the problem usually is in Washington, D.C., is that people with a lot of cash in their pocket show up at the auction and get what they want uh, from the legislators and the bureaucrats. In this instance, Medicare pays physicians who work for hospitals twice, at least, what they pay physicians who do not work for hospitals. Hmm. And the hospital uses that money to distort uh, the wage uh, situation for physicians in the United States. They use that money to hire physicians who would otherwise go out into private practice, um, and, in, and they use that money uh, unwisely. And Medicare, and in spite of all of their talk about concern for their budget, is overpaying not only for these physician services, but, but for the same surgery that's done in a hospital-owned outpatient surgery center, they pay double for what they would pay in an outpatient surgery that is independent of hospital ownership. So this is easy to fix. There's not new legislation that's needed. There just needs to be repeal of prior legislation and Medicare bureaucrat rules, which line the pockets of the, the big hospital lobbyists. Well, you know, uh, <clears throat> and first of all, I thoroughly agree with you. It'd be great just to get the government out of the whole process of, of uh, yeah, dealing with the healthcare industry uh, and profession. But <clears throat> my concern is, at the end of the day, would we end up just raising the prices for for both and to equalize the situation? In other words, having this higher higher rate paid to uh, both independent practitioners as well as those associated with the hospitals. Yeah, and you're exactly right. There are a couple of ways to go. They could pay everyone the lower amount. Uh, they could pay everyone the higher amount, or they could find some place in the middle. Yeah. What they could do, which is radical, is allow the market to work and allow patients and buyers to seek out value. And then the prices somehow magically in every other industry get where they belong. And as long as the government distortion field is present, then uh, the market is thwarted. One one thing they could do is eliminate uh, the prohibition for balanced billing. So if someone has Medicare, they can use Medicare um, and then pay the difference. Uh, Medicare could say, this is all we're going to pay. And then if somebody wants to pay more to go see you know, the physician of their choice, many of whom have just quit seeing Medicare patients altogether, or they'll limit their practice. I'll see one Medicare patient a week. A lot of that would go away, and access to care for Medicare patients would improve. That is so interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm aware. I think the way it works, and you, you could perhaps correct me, is that if you, uh, you're you not allowed to charge more than what Medicare will pay, or you can't uh, serve as a Medicare physician. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, I walked away from Medicare in 1992. Wow. Uh, I started my practice in 1990 and realized it was a scam. And I continued to take care of Medicare patients. I just didn't file claims and I didn't charge them. 
but the the whole system is a scam. Um, it's set up uh, as a way of control, and it's set up as a basically an ATM machine for the big hospitals that very effectively lobby um, at the auction house in D.C. See, I just want to underscore the point you just made because you started off with a general comment about that. But the fact of the matter is, uh, as one uh, legislator told me one time, uh, we've got the best government that money can buy. In other words, you, <laughs> you, you've got the legislators in, in uh, Washington, D.C., I mean, uh, being assaulted by these uh, lobbyist groups. And obviously, the hospitals have a huge lobby. Yeah, the hospitals have, have an enormous lobby. I mean, just think about what you and I are talking about. A, a rotator cuff surgery at Surgery Center of Oklahoma, which I own and control with a few other physicians, is half what Medicare pays the hospital for the same thing. Mm. So uh, Medicare is grossly overpaying not only for physician services but for surgical services. And all the while, you know, we're worried about our budget. You know, we're worried about this and that. <clears throat> they charge um, elderly people more <clears throat> every year uh, because, you know, costs are going through the roof. They don't care one one bit about what things cost. Uh, all they care about is where do they fit in in this political machine? So true. Uh, I was just thinking I went to a surgery center to have my hip replaced uh, about 18 months ago. And uh, I went in there at 6.15 in the morning. I left at 11.30 with a full hip replacement. <laughs> and the, the service right. and the, 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 uh, the whole process was so smooth. And uh, it was actually a miracle in my mind. But I'm quite certain I would have stayed a longer period of time. And it would cost a lot more if I were in the hospital. Yeah, it would certainly cost a lot more. Uh, the price for a hip replacement at our facility is about 18000 for everything, uh, physician, surgeon, anesthesia, wow. uh, everything. And you know, the insurance companies, they follow suit. This is one of the really, really awful things people need to understand. When Medicare makes a rule, um, Blue Cross, United, Cigna, Aetna, they tend to take advantage of that uh, and say, well, Medicare does it. Yeah. Well, this is how Medicare does it. Well, we, we're going to pay you sort of what Medicare pays you, but a, maybe a tiny bit more. But every time Medicare does something that's just awful, uh, that's so distorting in the system, inevitably what happens is people who are under a Blue United Signet Aetna employer plan end up paying the difference. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Smith, uh, just out of curiosity, is there anything we can do to advance this cause? Anything that our listeners can uh, do to, to see if we can have some impact on this issue? Well, as individuals, um, people who are Medicare beneficiaries are the ones who really can change this. Um, and the first thing they should be screaming in their legislators' ear about is, is to get rid of this prohibition on balanced billing. Physicians need to be able to have a financial relationship with their patient and they need to, physicians need to say, here is what I charge and and here is what it covers. Here is what I do and yeah. here is how much it costs. And they can't have that relationship with the Medicare patient. So if Medicare sets the rates too low, price controls cause shortages. And so Medicare patients have difficulty with access. So as as Medicare beneficiaries, the loud and clear message they can send is to eliminate the the rule against balance billing. And then Congress just needs to they just need to put their big boy panties on and get rid of some of these just gross uh, advantages that the hospitals have received like double payment for surgical services and physician services. Well, Dr. Smith, you've got my support. Uh, and again, uh, Dr. Keith Smith, board-certified anesthesiologist and co-founder of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our 
uh, Florida State Senate President. Uh, Boo Bortons will be joining us. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Left's Government. And uh, Dr. Richard Cube will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's uh, one of the ways we build our listenership and support our advertisers. And I appreciate your listening to the show. Thank you so much. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. Yeah.